Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. I'm James Anderson, one of your other hosts, and I'm really excited to be here. On this show, we're going through the MCU <laughs> in historical order, scene by scene, or day by day, until the end of time. Hey, James. Yeah. Listen, I know that you thought the last few episodes have been good, but like, you guys are not prepared for how good the rest of these episodes are about to be. Like, it is mind-blowing how good this episode is about to be, and then everything that's after this, you're not ready, okay? That's all I'm saying. Like, I'm just saying, it feels so good to be back, James. And I just, you know, I just really want to thank uh, James Wilcox for filling in and doing a really great impression of me for the past couple of years. I just... I mean, honestly, hey, like, for real, like, this podcast probably would have crashed and burned without Tay. And it's just like, you know, Tay, you know, you came in here and gave us the Emmy juice and the tears when we needed Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, but now you can go back to doing your own show <laughs> because... <climb> <laughs> Oh, that's really good. Uh, because now, though, the original lineup is back in business, yeah. baby. And we got Travis. Just Travis Barker comes in. <laughs> Just walks in. And also everyone in the comments going, oh, but what about Scott? Scott Rayner was definitely a part of the original lineup. It's really weird that you're calling this the original lineup. Anyway. Anyways. Can you tell that there's been Blink-182 news uh, since we uh, last recorded everyone? Okay, welcome to Timeline Scavengers. We are back in Agent Carter, the one shot. Uh, and this uh, bit that we're going to be talking about happens for uh, happens from 8 minutes and 53 seconds until 12 minutes and 7 seconds. And then we're going to get a post credit scene, same day, 13 minutes and 20 seconds to 13 minutes and 46 seconds. Uh, but if you're fancy and you want to sit through the entire credits, then the timestamp would just be 8.53 to 13.46. Here right. we go. Peggy Carter enters the SSR and sits down at a desk. Captain John Flynn looks disgusted when he sees this and walks out to confront her. What the hell do you think you're doing? She turns around confused. Well, I was about to do some data analysis and some code breaking. Don't get cute with me, lady. You took a mission last night. I completed a mission last night. Without even attempting to report in or get the proper authorization, the mission was time-sensitive. There are protocols in place. No one is above protocols, not even Captain America's old flame. How dare you? She stands up. Uh, please, let's stop pretending, shall we? Everyone knows why you're here. Please, enlighten me. You were grieving, so they put you on so that you would feel useful. I call it pity. If they wanted me to feel useful, they wouldn't have made me work with you. An alarm goes off. As the rest of the agents rush out of... Nope, that's not what they do. As the rest of the agents rush around, Flynn does that snide laugh that someone bad or mean does, and then says, you're going to answer for that. Flynn walks into his office. The agents are all standing at their desk, bags ready. He picks up the phone and immediately Howard on the other side of the line says, who am I speaking to? Flynn tells him while looking surprised to hear someone, or rather specifically like not an, an order immediately. Right. <laughs> uh, and he, and he you know, tells him, he goes, this is Howard. Uh, sorry. And Howard responds, this is Howard. And he says, sir, uh, I wasn't expecting I have orders for Agent Carter. If this was about last night, rest assured, she will be properly disciplined. 
I'd say that last night was more of a notch on her belt than a feather in her cap. Yes, uh, sir. Uh, what are your orders? Phillips and I want her to come to Washington. There's a pause. And it's like, it's a, it's not nearly as long of a pause as I think it actually is, but it feels so long right. before he goes, say again. <laughs> and we cut to Stark fully this time, sitting by a pool in his, sitting by his pool in a robe. There we go. Mm -hmm. Sunglasses a bit like his future son would wear, looking leisurely and enjoying this call a lot. Tell her she'll be running shield with me. Agent Carter? And Flynn? Yes, sir. Let her know that you're honored to bring her the news. You want me to say that verbatim? Stark hangs up. Flynn says hello a couple of times, including like a, Mr. Stark, hello, hello. And then finally he hangs up. He just sort of stands there for a moment as Peggy looks on. And then Flynn returns. He walks past all the other agents to stand in front of her and tell her that it is his honor to inform her uh, that she is going to run S.H.I.E.L.D. and that he'd like to help move her personal items down to her car. She opens her drawer and pulls out a photo of scrawny Steve. Thank you, Flynn. But as has always been the case, I don't require your help. Which, ooh! Oof. Yeah! Damn. Like, I was like, I was like, God damn, that's a good line. She walks out, head held high. Flynn does smile just a little bit. Whether it's like a, well, would you look at that? Or maybe finally to admire her gumption and, you know, and ability. Or maybe worse, maybe it is a, finally, she's gone. Right. I'm not sure. It honestly could be all of the above. Right. Uh, but that's the the main part of the scene. Then you get the credits. And after the very first, you know, half where it's like really cool and stylized, right? Right. We cut to Dum Dum Dugan, still mm -hmm. in the hat, but also in a robe, holding sure. a drink. Uh, staring ahead of him for a long time. This is like a 26-second scene, and I think the first 10 seconds of it is just him sitting like that. Yeah. Finally, Stark tells him, it's called the bikini. <laughs> we cut to the early versions of what a bikini was, which barely, short, sure. which barely shows that much more than a standard one piece of like today. Right. Um, but Dugan is enamored. Uh -huh. Bikini. He asks if you know. He asks if Stark invented it, and he tells him, "No, the French did." There's another long pause as Triple D is objectifying before he whispers to himself, "Bikini and seam." <laughs> it's such a weird thing to end on in this. It one really <laughs> is. It, like I think it's amazing because James, can I tell you why I think this is so funny to me? Yeah, uh, because it's it's honest to God, it's a horrible scene. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, I know. But the reason that it's funny, it is not funny like actually haha -ha, necessarily. I mean, like it is, but like not in the way that I think they want it to be. It is hilarious because they've just spent 13 minutes proving once again that women are strong and capable, independent, all these other things that like they can go out and like she could kick ass. And do what is supposed to be a two to three man job, just as her, right? She is invaluable and like women, you know, deserve like respect in the workplace, all this other stuff. And then in the end they go, ah, but there's not enough eye candy. So they throw a quote unquote bikini. I mean, you know, 1940s bikini, which is basically just like shorts and like a- Boys or bikini reference. Yeah, exactly. 
uh, and like a you know kind of like a tank top almost in a way. You right. Know? I mean, I'm I'm very grossly paraphrasing this, but I don't know how else to describe yeah, it without yeah, yeah. you know. And like, and he's just you know drooling. It is like it is the Animaniacs, like hello nurse, and like right. the the tongue that yeah, has to have little, the little uh, the uh, what's that thing like the little pull chain like uh, like uh, the old school blinds that you would have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They would like yeah. flap up, roll up, and they would be like, yeah, exactly, ahuga. You know, like, like Tex a- Howard Stark by Tex Avery. Exactly. I mean, that's, yeah. ex- that's pretty much all this is. And then also, just again, the fact that he whispers to himself, bikini, is really, okay, that part alone is actually funny. And I think it's only because it is one of the funniest deliveries of just a single word line that I've heard in ages. Yeah. But the rest of it, oh boy. Okay. I'll, if I may, in in one sentence, for the defense, Howard Stark does not universally expect women to be as exceptional as Peggy Carter. That's true. And you know what's funny is that, like, we're going to be getting into that sort of thing uh, in a couple of episodes yeah. for – I mean – one of the things that we're recording tonight, yeah. which is uh, October 16th. 16th. Yep. 2022. On October 16th, 2022. Yeah, thank you. Uh, there's going to be another scene that we record coming up where this ex- that exact sentiment is addressed. Yes. There's, yeah, I have um, some notes in a future scene about how chauvinism can take many forms. Right. And I think if Howard was always just sort of white knighting defense of women sort of stuff. There's a way in which that's a bad look too. Right. We don't know. But the problem is we don't know anything about the story with this scene. Like how did this happen? I mean, okay. So here's the other thing in his defense, right? Um, I also think there is something to be said about it doesn't matter what era you're in, uh, you know, there is definitely always going to be women who were, whether it was socially acceptable for them to be this way or not, they were going to be proud of their bodies and would have no issue with, right? And I'm not saying they should, right? I'm just saying like in the 40s, being that way was frowned upon way more than it is now. Right. Of course, because society can never be appreciative of women. Right. Society is still very looking down upon specific type of body uh, image and body uh, positivity and things like that. But like I will say what does give me some hope is the fact that he has continued to look at his newspaper. Howard Stark is not ogling them, right? Howard Stark is a little bit of like, you know, I see this all the time in a way. But also it almost feels like they are trying to impress him. And right. he's kind of like, I mean, it, thank you. It looks nice, but like, I'm not, you right. know, I'm not, I'm not so much of a horn dog that it's all that I can think of. I can't, I can't. Are they, are they standing in front of the pool? Are they lying down? What are they? What are they? Are, what? They're standing. I think that it is what I imagine it is. Here's how I think the scene probably started, obviously, okay. or the moment. I imagine that again. He is on the phone. Making this call. Yeah. 
and there's probably there's probably been a party the night before or whatever. Right. Uh, and they probably all came out of the house like, oh, before we leave or whatever, like we're here to use the pool, right? Right. Dugan has also come out to be like, wow, I'm in this robe that you've given me. Thank you very much for letting me crash on a couch or one of the five. He came to like talk shield, like deliver Phillips's message to Stark. Oh, that's a good point too. And you know, yeah. And then Jarvis was like, if you're going out by the pool, please wear this robe and you know, wear these slippers. And he's like, I'm here on official business. And he's like, yes, but Mr. Stark does not allow shoes outside. The like, Russian or diplomat's the daughter and her best friend are visiting. And I mean, it is pretty, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. Right. Yeah. And so like, the idea is like, he walks out not expecting this, you know, and like Stark is just like, and it's just, you know, another party, another day for me. Right. Yeah. But like, he's not like, I need to be objectifying these people. I mean, honestly, again, he, if he had a party the day before or, or whatever, Again, like it could just be that Howard Stark talks to so many women that he's just like, you want to use my pool sometime? Come on by whenever right. you want. You know? You know what we're missing from the MCU that no one's going to agree with me on? Explanation? Um, Howard Stark seeing Maria Stark for the first time, or Maria Future Stark for the first time. I, I really wouldn't mind that. I would, Sh- I would show actually him, like that. Show what it looks like when Howard Stark is smitten. I think that makes a lot of this make a lot more sense. I agree because I think one of the one of the only downsides to what we have with Howard Stark is we have him when he's like this kind of womanizer and like I'm ready to flirt with anything that moves, right? Yeah. And then suddenly we see him for a brief moment where he's like I'm about to have a baby and it's kind right. of scaring me, right? But there's no mention of his of his wife really, other than just like, oh, she's you know, pregnant, so she's craving sauerkraut. That lady that's always around my house that's gonna have the babies craving sauerkraut. Right. I mean, there is a little <laughs> right. And then the next time we really see him is again just ever, only ever shield stuff. Yeah. And then right before he dies, where he's like honestly a little dismissive of her and his son. Right. You know. Uh, yeah. Now, granted, he was also an alcoholic at that point, sure. um, but like, and that affects how people treat others, right? For but sure. like, still, in general, it's just like we don't really ever get to see the moment of like him being in a happy family for a yeah. brief moment. Yeah, like I, I would yeah. love to see them either introduced to each other or like right after they first started dating, or honestly, like a five-year-old Stark before his father kind of falls into like oh, his five-year-old tony what did i say howard you just said stark oh okay yeah sorry yes then yeah <laughs> i was like that, that'd that be crazy if every I've, I've called howard tony so many times if i had finally called tony howard that'd be hilarious <laughs> um but yeah no i just think it would be cool to just like something just one yeah. moment where you're kind of like okay i kind of see what he was like when he how he was like in this regard or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, give me a, give me a Dawn of shield TV show where we get like eight episodes about like the actual founding of shield on through like year one is over and like what they experience and whatever, see him meet Maria, see, you know, all these things that you can sort of knock off real quick. You have nothing in the fifties. Other than yeah, two agents, sure. two agents of Shield episodes. You, you're. I mean, the sixth. I was talking to my dad about this. The sixties are one hundred percent clear. Like, us, like you could do whatever you want. Clear. Sorry, you could do whatever you wanted. Basically, yeah, exactly. at this so. point. 
Um, here's here's yeah. a, a quick question for you because I'm curious about something. Yeah. So one of the things that never really seems to kind of get addressed here, right? Uh huh. Is uh is this scene takes place only a few months after the events of Captain America ends. Right. Right. And so we have this thing and she's in the SSR, right? And all this other stuff. And one of the last things that happens here is them saying, you're, you know, coming to DC to start shield with me. Right. right. Do they ever but, say DC? They don't. Uh, right? Well, they, they say call to Washington. Washington. Right. Yeah. Cause it's Marvel. You've made that joke before as well. I don't know that funny. it's a joke, dude. That might be a style guide thing. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Do they only ever call it Washington? I don't, I don't know. We're going to have to take a look at that. If, if they it was do, me? that'd be very interesting. <laughs> Could you think of like how much you'd have to think about like this? Is, this is like a... Okay, well, hang on. Let's think Here about it like this. In capital. Homecoming, uh-huh. they go to Washington, D.C. to do a... Uh, like, you know, student math, mathathon or whatever they're called. Right. What do they call it? DC? Do they call it Washington, DC or do they call it Washington? Hold on. Looking it up. Spider-Man homecoming transcript. I remember when I was in middle school and you really had to look for some, like for scripts, like if we were doing a drama scene or whatever. Mm -hmm. Nowadays it's much, much simpler, isn't it? Yeah. So they say, you're coming to Washington to start S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. And then, in the MCU-ish-esque-ish, whatever, yep. only a couple months later, she is still in the SSR, and S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't form for another, like, close to 10 years. So, the MCU wiki has a theory about this. Or has Is has it just that things this. get retconned, or? No, it's, here. here's what they say. Uh, also, I'm searching. I'm 11 out of 18 mentions of the word Washington in this thing. I should look. I should look at DC. But so far, it's been I can't go to Washington. Um, That's funny. So hold on one second. Where's the uh, okay? Uh, so this the MC Wiki says that this takes place on March 15th is my episode uh, last time, and then this is the 16th the next day. Right. And it says on the 18th. You know, we're going to see it really quickly, so it doesn't matter. Uh, Theft of Howard Stark's technology. Howard Stark returns home from his pleasure trip in Monaco and discovers that someone had cut a hole into the vault of his mansion and stole his invention stored there. He puts the plans for S.H.I.E.L.D. on hold with no warning to Peggy Carter, who has left clueless and has to return to her work at the SSR. Interesting. I didn't think that that was necessarily dictated in the show, but I guess you're... I don't think they're saying They're saying that, like, we're assuming that that S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff got paused because he is going to, well right. I, I don't want to you know well I, I don't think it's it's wrong to kind of bury the lead here a little bit but like he's going to be on the lamb essentially for a bit right. here so like i get that that makes sense and they're like hey you know that government agency you wanted to work on yeah not anymore traitor oh wait not oh, okay my bad right anyway um, there are please make weapons for us again right 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 uh, there are eight mentions of DC as just DC, like nice work in DC, says Tombs at one point. So mm. it's okay. Wait, does to- is Tombs the only one no, that says no, no, DC? No, 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 no. Because let me tell you why that would be hilarious. 
James. Batman. If Tombs is yes, exactly. If Tombs, if Michael Keaton was the only person to say DC in the entire MCU, that would be so good. Oh, no. I would lose my mind. Hold on. Now I need to check because Yeah, please check. <laughs> because holy shit, that would be funny. Um All right, DC, God, here so we good. go. One. I don't count stage directions because all right, Peter says it's not too far from DC. Okay. Um Police, this is DC Metro Police. Identify yourself. That Tony, does make nice sense. work in DC. Liz says like you did in DC. Tomb says they're in DC. So it's not, but in in another universe, it for sure is. Um, you lead me into a, a note that I took that I'd love to discuss in relationship to why you mentioned Shield, and then we made an entire show where she's not doing the Shield thing. Right. Um, and here it is. Oh no, the shield. It's oh, broken. No, my shield, my precious shield. Marita's like, here's your shield. All right. Um This is Don't from the IMDB. Yeah. Uh, although the one shot acted as a pilot for the two season long Adrian Carter series, it can actually function as an epilogue for the cancelled show as it takes place after the conclusion of season two. It is indirectly explains thinking. that Howard Stark took over the leadership of the SSR and dissolved it into Shield, which he placed Peggy in charge of. That makes sense to me too. That's that's where I was expecting it to be, right? If like, you don't so, do the Chiron at the beginning, which says yes, that's exactly what I thought yeah. about as well. Like my perspective was, you know, again, like I think that there was a lot of, I mean, we retcon things all the times in comics and in the MCU, right? for sure, like, and on the show, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, like, there's things though where you realize, like, you know, you you kind of have a plan, and then eventually you go, you know what, actually. That doesn't make as much sense as I think. Uh, sorry, it makes sense then. But now that we have to add this other thing in, we have to shift that a little bit, right? right? So, like, that sort of thing happens all the time. So, yeah. if they chose to later on say, in fact, it should actually read this time, right? Instead, like, if they put, like, an addendum somewhere or whatever. And Flynn is. That'd be great. Right, because that would yeah. make. <clears throat> Cut that, I mean, or bleep it, I guess, or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll have to do that, yeah. Uh, so I, I, that's all that I have, though, for the main scene. We've kind of gone off on some classic Timeline Scavengers classic. tangents. Do you have some Avengers Ensemble for us? I have uh, two very objectified Avengers Ensemble entries for oh, us. Oh, good. Yeah, um, great. Also, I want to make a joke that Howard is the ultimate in uh, objectifying women. He acts like they aren't even there. <laughs> <laughs> It's object permanence, you know? That's right. He, he, yeah, he, he has, has the, the newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, bikini. Oh, jeez. His brain is Bikini jump scare. <laughs> okay, Listen, actually, bikini, bikini jump scare <laughs> isn't like a great band name or even album name. Yeah, for sure. Wow. And that's great. like a comic book title. Like, it's like, yeah. Yeah. B-movie. Yeah, you get, you get all sorts of stuff. Okay, so we have... Uh, an Avengers Ensemble. Avengers Ensemble. Surf Edition. So, poolside woman number one. No, they don't get names. Why would they? If you don't, if you think they should have names, you don't understand this scene. Um, is played by a woman named Lindsay Gott. G-O-T. Uh, she was in two episodes, two episodes of Lucifer. 
Poolside Woman number two is played by Sarah Schreiber. This is perhaps an Avengers ensemble for James Wilcox and James Wilcox only, maybe. Maybe also Mike Snyder. Sarah Schreiber, 119 episodes of WWE Raw, uh, 13 episodes of WWE NXT, 15 episodes of SmackDown, and then one episode of Agent Carter. Wait, where she, what was what was her name there? She was born on May 31st, 1983 in Nutley, New Jersey, which is the name of the thing. Not the answer to my question. Uh, okay. Sarah Schreiber is what she goes by on WWE. Oh, weird. Okay. Hold on. Let me see if I can find her on like a WWE wiki. 2018 debut. So this is after she was in this. She so uh she's an American backstage interviewer for WWE. Okay, she was an announcer. Okay, so that that's why she, okay. Yeah. So that's why A, she would just be like I mean, not that people don't have like for lack of a better term, like normal names. But right. a lot of the times I feel like you're not like to me, Sarah Schreiber, I mean like good alliteration, but it's not very like, you know, right. like welcome to the stage, like unless it's like Sarah Bone Crusher Schreiber. You right. Know, Bone Schreiber, I don't know. No, right. actually, Bone no, cut that. Right. That sounds bad, actually. Um, but like, you know what I mean? Like that. But that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, she actually does look a little familiar. Here's the thing: when we're recording this again, October 16, twenty twenty-two, it is the beginning of of a Nick Fury esque big week for me for recording. Uh, I'm recording with Colin tomorrow for something mm-hmm. that will be on Patreon, patreon.com slash, patreon.com slash the scavengers network. And then on Thursday, Colin is going to be a guest on an upcoming episode of Frankenstein's Jukebox. So Frankenstein's Jukebox is a music appreciation and creation podcast uh, where me and my co-host Daniel Spencer take songs from a particular year pull out our favorite parts, smash them together, and make a new thing. And Colin is going to help us in the lab. We don't ever call it the lab. but You I will, should. As part of That's, the promotion. That was cool. That was cool. <laughs> hey, real as the as the head of the Scavengers Network, I would like to Ooh. say, go ahead and start using that. Thanks. All right, cool. Um, Colin's going to join us. So uh, actually, when is this coming out? This, the episode that Colin's going to be on came out, it's Friday, 11-11. Happy Armistice Day. It came out two days ago? It came out two days ago. Hell yeah, cool. The second Wednesday of every month. So it's a brand new episode. I'm assuming it's great. Oh, you're bringing in a brand new song? uh, um, Hasn't actually ever, hasn't given this song yet, but we will. It's in too deep. It'll be in too deep by Sun 41. Yeah. Cool, cool, excellent. Whoa, exclusive. Yeah, exclusive. Uh, Two days after the fact. No, I I was going to do Blink-22, and then the weekend that we recorded this was... Kind of a train wreck of a weekend for yeah. Colin Parker, other than the Bills game. Go Bills. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, the weekend kind of really, it really sucked for a lot of people. But yeah. uh, for me, like in too deep, a lot of the lyrics like kind of mm. could fit how yeah. I was feeling in the moment. So Perfect. I was like, yeah, Perfect. let's let's go with that. Excellent. Well. Although, oh shit, now I think about that. Every time I look for you, the sun goes down, does kind of, mm, fuck. You haven't officially announced it yet. I have not Dan- officially announced in the it, group chat, so you are welcome true. to answer the other thing. So anyway, that could have been an exclusive, or you could have tuned in two days ago, and I could have said an entirely or, different yeah, song. Or it's like a it's like a demo where they change the lyrics, and you're like, wait, 
Didn't Wait. he just say? Quick story. Didn't he say dreams and night? I mean, night nightmares and daydreams. <laughs> then the name of the album daydreams. is called. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, check that out. Uh, check it out. It's two days ago. Um, go back in time. Time is weird. Uh, it's a future <laughs> thing that we the are, Chiron haven't recorded yet. The bottom of that episode should have been different. So that's all you yeah. have to think about. You know? Exactly. So uh, we anyway. recorded it in the future, but it came out in the past. So use right. your present to go check it out. Time is weird. That's going to do it for this episode of Time and Scavengers. As always, I am James Anderson. I'm Colin Parker. Bikinis. <laughs> uh. Well, Daniel, it looks like Frankenstein's Jukebox is going to be joining the Scavengers Network. I heard. It's very exciting. But it does mean we need to write an ad. Oh, you're right. Okay. Okay, I have an idea. You know how on Frankenstein's Jukebox we take two songs from a given year and pull out the things we like about them and use those aspects to make a new song? Of course. We call that new song a song promise. Well, what if we used a similar strategy with our ad? Hey, I think that's a great idea. What are some aspects of your favorite podcast ads? Hmm. Well, I like ads where the two hosts are talking to each other, pretending like they're not doing the ad. That's a good one. I like when the information about the show is presented in a way that demonstrates the concept of the show. Oh, for sure. Okay, so let's use those aspects to make an ad. Actually, wait, there's one more thing I love in a podcast ad. That's so funny because I have one more thing too. You go ahead. No, please, I insist. Same time? Same time. One, two, three. A bicycle, a bicycle horn, horn at the very end of the, end of the ad, ad to show that, that even though we love music and take, take the assignment seriously, we're also just a couple of sillies. Huh. Okay. Well, I guess we have to have that aspect. Frankenstein's Jukebox. The second Wednesday of every month, with song promises being released when we finish them. On the Scavengers Network. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.